To express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be the Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Eleanor Roosevelt. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We are a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, creator and producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be the Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by Guide Star and great nonprofits. I'm Siri Panindra. And I'm Caitlin Darrow. Before we get into today's show, Be The Star You Are's volunteers and I want to urge you to check out our website at btsya.org. Go to the events tab to find exciting events such as our upcoming Moraga Fair with a booth for family fun sponsored by Green Air, your energy solution company. It's time to go green. Visit www.gogreenair.net. We are thrilled to have received a certificate of recognition from the California legislature honoring Be The Star You Are volunteers for 20 years of dedicated service to the community through literacy and positive media messages. And we are determined to continue our empowering efforts. With that, let's get into it. Today's theme revolves around pride. And for this first segment, we have a report from our very own Express Yourself host, Caitlin Darrow. Hello, Caitlin. Hi, Siri. Thanks so much for the introduction. Today, I'm going to be focusing on taking pride in your accomplishments because this is actually something that I have struggled quite deeply with, and I still continue to struggle with this today. I feel very modest when I talk about myself and the things I'm working on. I tend to downplay my successes instead of celebrating them and being proud of myself. I think, especially as women, we tend to feel imposter syndrome around our accomplishments. The term imposter syndrome was coined in 1978 by two psychologists named Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes. According to a New York Times article, it's that nagging feeling that you don't belong, and it affects women and minority groups disproportionately. Personally, I felt imposter syndrome when I was accepted into UCLA. I felt it when I was invited to give a TED Talk in London. I felt it when I was given the Presidential Volunteer Service Award. And these are just a few moments in my life where I should have felt 100% pride. But instead, I was doubting my abilities and my insecurities seeped through. Combating imposter syndrome is something that I've personally been working on for the past couple of years, and I wanted to share my tips with those who might be feeling the same way. First, I wanted to share that you are absolutely not alone. 
Some of my biggest role models have spoken out about this subject. For example, one of my favorite authors, Maya Angelou, she wrote uh, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, which is such a beautiful book. Um, She said that every time she published a new book, she would think to herself, "Uh uh-oh, they're going to find out now. I've run a game on everybody. When I read that quote, I was so surprised but also comforted. Even one of the world's most accomplished writers experienced self-out. Secondly, I think one of the ways to overcome imposter syndrome is to shift how you think about yourself. You are 100% made up of what you think. And if you see yourself as a fraud or if you feel insecure about your accomplishments, the only way to combat that is to believe in yourself. Positive affirmations have deeply helped me with this. And in the beginning, if you don't know where to start, I would recommend making a list of five things that you feel confident about. It's 100% okay to acknowledge your accomplishments and to have pride in your accomplishments. Maybe it's the fact that you're a good writer or a good speaker. Um, Self-growth really happens when you recognize and own your success. Lastly, I would also recommend sharing your doubts with colleagues and friends. I think that you would be really surprised to learn that imposter syndrome is something that affects us all. And it can be extremely therapeutic to voice your concerns with a community who will support you. While I think finding confidence from within is crucial, I don't think there's anything wrong with affirming to your friends or hearing those verbal compliments from other people. Uh, Caitlin, I can relate to this on many levels, and I've also experienced self-doubt many times throughout my life. And I do agree with you, talking to people um, who are there for you to support, um, it does really help, and it is um, indeed therapeutic. And you shared a book, and I was wondering, are there any other books you recommend that would cover these topics? Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's actually quite a few self-help books um, in that whole genre that kind of address imposter syndrome. But the one that I like um, particularly is called The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women, Why Capable People Suffer from the Imposter Syndrome and How to Thrive in Spite of It by Valerie Young. It's a bit of a long title, but it's a great book. And I love the fact that it's written by an accomplished woman and she specifically reaches out to women or minorities or people who tend to suffer from imposter syndrome and and feel a bit insecure in their success. Um, Overall, it's just a book that teaches you how to take ownership of your success, overcome self-doubt, and banish the thought patterns that undermine your abilities. Um, And again, I'm not a huge reader of the whole self-help genre, but that book specifically was very, very helpful to me, and and I like it very much. Mm. Oh, definitely. It sounds like a good read just from the little um, description you gave about it. Um, I also, I have a couple of books in mind and I like mentioned this book so many times throughout, but it's a secret by Rhonda Byrne and it's just such an amazing book. It talks about how visualizing something can get you, um, get that into reality. And I thought it was kind of similar to this in a way. Um, if you believe that, you know, you can accomplish something and you visualize it every day, then it's going to happen in reality. And Caitlin, I had another question. And why do you think women more than men suffer from imposter syndrome or less self-confidence or a lack of pride? 
Uh, well, there's actually a quote by Michelle Obama, which I would love to share. Again, I adore Michelle Obama. I think she's fantastic. Um, and during a talk in 2018, she said, the question I ask myself, am I good enough? That haunts us because the messages that are sent from the time we are little is maybe you are not. Don't reach too high. Don't talk too loud. I completely agree with Michelle Obama on this point because I think as little girls, we are conditioned to kind of fit into society's standards. And especially for minorities or people of color as well, it, it can be difficult to accept your accomplishments and to be prideful in your success because society is constantly telling you that you don't deserve it, but you do, you absolutely do. And this is just where we need to rewire our thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And um, in your segment, you shared many tactics to overcome this imposter syndrome. Which one do you personally connect with and use the most? I think just going back to the positive affirmations, um, it can feel very corny at first, like looking in the mirror and being like, I am awesome. And <laughs> and I'm, you know, like it can feel really weird, especially in the very beginning, because it's just not really something that we do. And I love that today's theme is all about pride, because I think it is important to be prideful in yourself. I think that sometimes when I begin to talk about my accomplishments, I feel self-conscious because I'm like, oh, I don't want to sound like I'm boasting or I don't want to sound like I'm too full of myself or <laughs> like all of these um, strange thoughts kind of get into my head around that where, um, yeah, I, I think it's important to feel confident in the things that you're doing and, and to speak about what you're doing um, loudly and proudly. Um, and you said that you had experienced this feeling, too, of the imposter syndrome. I like the name of it, too. I think it's a great <laughs> term. Um, but in what areas of your life, Syria, have you felt it? Like, have you experienced it in school or, um, like, in your personal life at all? Oh, yes. Um, especially just like you and talking about accomplishments, um, sometimes I do kind of undermine myself and... I feel maybe I'm not good enough. And um, especially when I talked to the UC Davis Graduate School of Management dean about my startup, I was starting to doubt myself. I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe maybe my idea isn't good enough. Maybe he won't like it. And I feel, you know, this emotion is this emotion of um, the syndrome is kind of very common in my everyday life. And it's just how you overcome it through experience. Mm, I totally agree. Yeah. And I, I do think sometimes in those ways when we have to present ourselves, like that's when I think that I feel most nervous, like kind of the Maya Angelou quote where she's like, everyone's going to find out. Like, um, I think that that's so funny because, you know, I look at Maya Angelou and she's such a role model for me. And I just think that she's absolutely incredible. And it, it did bring me a lot of comfort to know that someone as amazing as her has even felt this way. It's such a universal feeling. Um, but I, I do think that it all begins with your own thought patterns and truly just digging inside yourself and believing inside yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just before this radio show, I was reading a few articles and um, some people were saying that 
pride is more of a negative term and it has a negative connotation because it it kind of hovers over, you know, overconfidence in a way. So what do you think about that? What do you think about um, some people saying that pride is um, a bad word, perhaps? Yeah, that's actually so interesting because I feel like even when I saw that pride was the topic for today, like my initial gut reaction was like, oh, I, I don't know, like what I can even talk about, you know, when it comes to pride. And and I feel like, yeah, there's so many articles and books on how to hone in your pride and like not be too prideful, um, which I'm sure that is an issue for some people. But I think that it's okay to to be proud of yourself and it's okay to believe in yourself. Um, if anything, I think that that's so much better on the spectrum. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that that's interesting how pride is kind of looked at with such a negative connotation. Yeah, and I feel um, my personal opinion is that um, I guess some people can look at it as a negative word, but I I kind of look at it as a positive word, and I feel it's you know screaming out self love, and I feel that is um, very important, and you know self love is not selfish, and I feel pride is an emotion that you should always tell yourself. Mm. Um, yeah. So, but you know oh. there are many perspectives. So it's yes. interesting to see how one <laughs> word can you know bring about many different reactions in people. It's so true. And I, I love how you say that um, self-love is not selfish. That's so beautiful. Um, and I, I totally agree with that. And I think that when it comes to overcoming imposter syndrome or trying to be more prideful, sometimes at the end of the day, the best thing is just to fake it till you make it. <laughs> that kind <laughs> of saying, um, even if you don't feel so confident in yourself, just presenting yourself Presenting yourself in a way where you seem confident, um, I think that that has really benefited me. Like I've gone into rooms or meetings where I felt so nervous, but I just take a deep breath right before and I just try to look very confident. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then like sometimes by the end, I actually do. I do feel um, a lot better. So um, that whole saying of fake it till you make it, I think I think it's kind of a silly saying, but I do think that there is some truth to it, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And um, I was doing some research, and it said that, you know, you should always smile, and it makes you happier, and it kind of lightens the mood with people. But a study in 2011, I think, um, it said that the smile has to be sincere. And let's say you were going for an interview and if you put a fake smile, it actually, it has a de detrimental effect on you. And, you know, before reading this article, I thought even faking a smile and just like, oh, you know, let's smile. I thought that would have a positive effect, but it's kind of interesting to see how it has to be a genuine smile to kind of create that effect. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. Yeah, I've never, um, I never heard of that, but it does make sense. I do think that Sometimes if it's too forced, uh, it doesn't feel very genuine. So I think that at least some part of you has to has to identify or, or feel that way because um, if you're forcing it 100%, then it just doesn't feel, it feels very disgenuine. Mm, yes. And um, as you were saying that talking with people is therapeutic, um, I know that there are many apps out there and 
you can kind of talk to this robot and it'll ask you questions based on how your day was. And I feel maybe that would also help or, you know, searching up some positive quotes, um, Mm. you know. Yeah, I totally agree. And again, going back to the whole idea of community, I do think that surrounding yourself with a whole a group of people who are positive and who uplift you. Uh, there's nothing more beneficial than that. Um, I I feel like just recently I found such a great group of friends where we all really encourage each other and in some ways we mentor each other and you know giving advice on personal and professional topics. Um, it, it's been really really wonderful to surround myself with people who do believe in me. And and like I said in my original segment, I think that self-confidence ultimately needs to come from within. But I do think that it's also okay to receive those affirmations from outside and to receive that, that validation from friends. Sometimes if you're feeling really, really low, um, that's the only thing that will kind of get you through is, is your friends and your family and uh, again, cultivating self-love is number one, but I don't think that it's wrong to ask for help from others or from the outside as well. Mm-hmm, for sure. And um, we have this program at my high school and it's FMP, the Freshman Mentorship Program. And it's basically about creating this community with the freshmen and encouraging them and help helping them have a smoother transition from middle to high school and I feel, you know, many high schools, they should kind of develop this program and expand on it because it has helped many freshmen and um, they have talked to me about, you know, personal problems. And I feel the people around you, they really do make a difference in your life. Mm, That's fantastic. Yeah, I think UCLA has something very similar for um, transfer students and for first-generation students and um, also for freshmen, for people who might need a little bit of help and support with that adjustment. So I think that ultimately reaching out to your networks and asking for help, there's nothing ever wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Yes, and something to think about before we end this segment is I recommend the audience to write five positive affirmations about yourself Um, We did that, I believe, a month ago in my yoga class at school, and I found it very difficult to kind of, you know, get five facts about myself. Um, I know myself so well, but it was just hard for me to kind of think of, you know, five good things, and I definitely think it's a good exercise to, you know, test uh, test yourself. Well, thank you so much for joining us on air for this wonderful segment by Caitlin. And as a reminder, Be The Star You Are for teens, as well as the newest establishment in the series, Be The Star You Are Millennials to Boomers, celebrating gifts of positive voices in a changing digital world, is available now and can be found at www.starstylestore.net. And if you're looking for a new book to read, consider picking up a copy. Your purchase benefits the Be The Star You Are 501c3 charity, and this ex- yourself program as a donation so make sure to get your copy today check out youtube.com slash be the star you are for our fun and informative btsya videos on living laughing and learning visit us at btsya.org and check out past editions of our show at expressyourselfteenradio.com keep on listening as we continue our conversation on pride 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thanks for staying with us here at Express Yourself on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. In this next segment, we'll be joined by Dr. Bernie Siegel, who was a pediatric surgeon and assistant clinical professor of surgery at Yale. And he now empowers patients and their caregivers all over our planet. And in 1978, he originated Exceptional Cancer Patients, a specific form of individual and group therapy utilizing patients' drawings, dreams, Im- images, and feelings. Bernie has been named one of the top 20 spiritually influential living people on the planet by the Watkins Review. He was also named a 2018 VIP Spiritual Leader's Top Pick for his Lifetime Achievements. Sounds amazing. Well, welcome, Bernie. Um, I wanted us to start off by just asking you um, more about what you do, more about your research. I know Siri just gave a brief little um, intro to who you are, but if you could just tell us in your own words. I'll tell you what changed my life was being a surgeon. Uh, Suicide Mm -hmm. rate in physicians is higher than the general population. We're not trained how to take care of people and all the pain that's going to be associated with that. Everybody dies, you see. They don't tell you that in medical school. And because of what I was feeling, I went to a workshop to learn more to help myself help patients. And sitting in this general audience were my patients, and they sat near me, you know, different than in an office. And let me add, I was the only doctor at the meeting. That blew my mind. It was Dr. Carl Simonton from California who wrote the book, uh, Getting Well Again. And I thought, it'll be filled with doctors. You know, it's, it's helping patients. And I was the only doctor there. But this quote changed my life. I mean, I changed my life, but the quote gave me a push. My patient said, You're a nice guy. I feel better when I'm in the office with you, but I can't take you home with me. So I need to know how to live between office visits. I thought, 
then I don't have to feel like a failure if I help people live. So we sent out letters to our patients saying, you want to live a longer, better life, come to a meeting. You know, I was going to teach them things. Twelve women showed up and we had sent out a hundred letters. Next thought, I don't know my patients. I'm telling them I want to help them live and they don't even show up. And how many people are afraid of failing? They, I would ask them to read a book. Oh, I don't have time to read a book. Draw a picture. I'm not an artist. Maybe I can have my son, who's 11, do it for me. I mean, they were so afraid of failing. See, the survivors, and I don't make up any of these people and what they said. One woman called me on the phone. And she said, I want to come to your cancer support group meeting. I said, she said, when's the next meeting? I said, it's tomorrow. But before you come, you have to prepare yourself. You have to read my book, draw a couple of pictures and answer some questions. I had a form that they filled out. And she said, okay, fine. Where is the meeting? I said, you have to do all those things. She said, yeah, fine. I'll sit up all night and do it. See, that's a survivor. Psychiatrists understand that. Oncologists and doctors, you know, it just isn't just about cancer. Don't understand that. Jung said this, God knows how many, maybe a hundred years ago. He said, the diagnosis helps the doctor, but it doesn't help the patient. But there, the key thing is the story. For it alone shows human background and human suffering. And only at that point can the doctor's therapy begin to operate. I mean, I have magazines that I keep finding in the house from 20, 30 years ago and more. And they're all criticizing me. He blames his patients. What difference does it make how you're feeling? What happens to you? Now, all those things have changed. They don't come to interview me anymore out of interest because it's all scientific, the genetic studies. See, if you're laughing, if you're in a humorous situation, your immune function goes up, stress hormone levels go down. If you're in a tragic situation, the opposite happens. I mean, the best example is Monday morning. We have more heart attacks, strokes, suicides, and illnesses. Why? Because people don't like what they have to do on Monday. But what if you got up and said, I, I love my job, you know? And that was something. Let me give you philosophy from my parents who had painful, tragic backgrounds, so they learned. My father's father died of tuberculosis when my father was 12 leaving six children and a wife with nothing because with TB, he wasn't going to get insured. What did my father learn from him? He said, one of the best things that happened to me was my father dying when I was 12 years old. It taught me what was important about life. And he spent so much time helping people. And that included, you know, financially and in other ways. If he could help people, he helped them. And part of what he ingrained in me and has helped me enormously, he never expected anybody to pay him back. That wasn't what he was doing. He was trying to make life easier for other people. And I know many times when I have helped people and lent them money and, you know, they promised, oh, we'll, you know, pay you back in two months. And I don't hear from them from two years. And even then they, you know, avoid me. And it's not about paying me back, but I've learned to let go. I don't lose my sleep or feel angry at those people. If I've helped them, that's wonderful. Let me give you a specific example. Uh, our hotel room was robbed, inside job 
whoever it was had a key, came in while we were at dinner, stole all the valuable things out of the hotel room. We come back to the room, oh boy. And I had seen a weird looking guy in the hallway while we were getting on the elevator to go to dinner. And I knew he was the one, because I thought, I mean, something told me this is doesn't make sense, but I wasn't smart enough to realize. I said, because people don't stand in the hallway in a, in a hotel. You get on an elevator, you go in a room. Well, I lost a lot of sleep and was very angry that the police didn't find him because I knew what he looked like. But this had happened around Thanksgiving time. And along comes Christmas. And one day I wake up and I thought, wow, if what he stole from us allowed him to get money, to buy presents for his children, I'm really happy. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was. I thought, wow, wouldn't it be wonderful that he came in and said to his kids, look what I can afford this year for you. And so from that moment on, just like now, I'm laughing and smiling, thinking of him instead of being bitter and resentful. And we have to remember we have con- that kind of control. So how does that relate to illness? If you don't like your life, well, again, quotes from people. She said, when I grew up, my mother dressed me in dark clothes, told me I was a failure and I embarrassed her. And my mother's words were eating away at me and maybe gave me cancer. She wrote that as an adult. And she said to me, you gave me permission to live my authentic life and become my authentic self. Thank you. Now, what's sad is that in a sense, she needed permission. You know, the work I've done, the books I wrote, um, you know, helping her to live again. And she didn't end up dying of cancer because she found this new life. And her letter to me said, I went out and bought a red dress and red high heel shoes. And I'll tell you, the way she's dressed, if she were my wife, I wouldn't go out with her. Um, but until I read that letter and realized how it healed her past for her to dress in all these embarrassing, crazy clothes. Now, let me give you a statistic, too, because of your age group. Think how you would answer this question. Did your parents love you? Harvard students, while in college, were asked that. If they said no, by the time they were looked up in middle age, 98% had suffered a major illness. If they said, yes, my parents love me, 24% had suffered a major illness. Now, that is the issue. I mean, a thousand years ago, Maimonides said, if people took as good care of themselves, they do their animals, they'd suffer fewer illnesses. Now, I know people who have nine cats and developed asthma and lung cancer because the two, the couple who owned them smoked in the house. And I often say this, well, I'll ask you this question. If those were your cats, they developed cancer, asthma, and they knew it was from your smoking, what would you do? Can you answer? Well, oh, I'm, I'm not sure. Well, the answer is a yes or a no, or I quit smoking, or there are other different answers, but you don't know what you do. Well, that's sad, too. 
See? But here's the answer that was in Cat Fancy magazine. Doug and I now smoke in the yard. We love our cats more than the convenience of smoking indoors. We're not killing our cats anymore. We hope you're not killing yours. But who are they killing? Yeah, they're Themself. killing themselves. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And that's why if you don't grow up with love and feel self-love, then you seek you know, pleasures in unhealthy ways, whether it's drugs or tobacco or alcohol or whatever it is. You want to be numb. Um, and the suicide rate, I may say, in high school students is also way above the national average. Let me give you another thing that I started doing when I learned all that. When I would get invited to speak in schools, I should have given you this as a homework assignment. I would say to all the students in the class, I want you to write a suicide note, why you should commit suicide. And I want you to write a love note, why you're worth loving. And bring them in tomorrow. Don't have to sign them. And when they'd come in the next day, I'd say suicide on the, over on this side of the desk, love on that side. What pile do you think is higher? Probably suicide. Yeah, the suicide pile is multiple times the love pile. Now, the teachers would say to me, oh, my God, you'll get them to commit. I said, no, it reduces the suicide rate. You see, because the thing you feel is, let's say your father's an alcoholic, punches you in the eye. And you get to school and the kid says, hey, you got a black eye, what happened? You don't say, oh, my father is an alcoholic who punched me. You say, oh, I fell off my bike. So you never get compassion or therapy from your friends. But once the students saw the pile, you know, the difference in the two piles, school became a therapy. They'd come in, they'd talk to each other about what was happening in their homes. And it helped them feel good. You know, it's like they created a new family amongst themselves, not thinking I'm the only one who has parents like that. Um, because if your parents love you, you don't think anybody else has parents that don't love them. And when your parents abuse you, you don't think anybody else has parents who abuse you. Um, and we need to communicate. And often I'll just say to kids, draw your home and family. And well, another example pops up. You're a young girl with cancer. And she said to me in the office, I don't get enough time from my parents. And I said to the parents, she's telling me this and she needs more time. Oh, we give her a lot of time. I said, take a look at the picture she drew when I asked her to draw a picture of her family. The mother and father and two other kids in the family are sitting on a sofa and there's one more seat that's empty. And this girl who drew the picture is sitting alone on a chair in another part of the room. And I said to the parents, look, your arms are wrapped around the other kids. There's a seat on the sofa. She's not on it. She doesn't feel like part of the family. You need to go home and give her more time. And the fact that their daughter drew the picture, it's not just me saying things, uh, made them go home and made a big difference. And we all need to understand that, you know, speak up for yourself. Um, one of our kids, we had five kids. He came up to me one day and said, I don't get enough of your time. You have five children, which you each get 
I said, your brother is driving us nuts, so he gets 40. And often, you see, how do you get more attention? Become a problem. Um, but what I was proud of is that this child came to me and said, I, you're not loving me enough. Because he could have sat, I mean, he was a sweet kid. So he's in the last bedroom at the end of the hall. And he could interpret it as, they don't love me, they put me at the end of the hall. No, you're at the end of the hall because I never have to worry about you. See, the boy, the brother he was talking about was given a room off the kitchen. So we could always know what he was doing. Um, but he survived too. He was, you know, a tough kid and he was able to uh, take care of himself and uh, make everybody proud of him. As a matter of fact, I found in an old journal, because I keep telling you I find things from 1996. Um, I think it's still on that page. Boy, it pressed me, impressed me. Let me read it to you. Your children, this is August 7th, 1996. Your children are your gold medals, often realized too late. Tell them. Wow. And the next day I wrote the same thing. And today I sent all five of them an email saying that you're the family gold medals. And again, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean I like them. I mean, we can express anger appropriately, you know, not screaming, you're a horrible person, but talking about why you don't like somebody's behavior. Because one of the kids came up to me one day and said, you're getting a divorce. I said, what are you talking about? Well, you yell a lot. I said, yeah, when I don't like what's going on, I make noise. So I get everybody's attention. But I love you and your mother. Now, I'm not getting a divorce. Why did you ask? Well, the neighbors are getting divorced and they yelled a lot. But for me, the yelling was just stop it. Because two of our kids were born with their twins with hearing impairment because my wife was exposed to German measles while she was pregnant. And so until we learned that, uh, you didn't know why the TV in the living room was turned up so loud that everybody was going deaf. Um, and then they'd start fighting over the volume. But once we learned that they had a hearing impairment, we understood and you could adjust and fix everything. But that's why we need to communicate. That's the most important thing in the world, to listen. Here's another test question for you too. Tomorrow morning, you have to be blind or deaf. Which you, would you choose? Oh, wow. That's, that's so hard. It's, it's really hard to choose. They're both so essential for my life. I would say um, maybe I would rather not hear anything. That's what everybody but musicians says. But let me tell you what Helen Keller said so you'll know for the rest of your life how to help yourself and other people. Oh, and read her book, My Religion by Helen Keller. She was two and a half about years old when she's blind and or deaf. And she finished college with honors and has written incredible books. But she said this, I've heard of the stars, of the rainbows, of the play of light on the waves. These I would like to see. But far more than sight, I wish for my ears to be open. The voice of a friend, the imaginations of Mozart. Life without these is darker by far than blindness. And believe me, when you can't hear, 
you're separated from everybody. You wouldn't be on this program because you can't, you know, you're not reading my lips. Wow. Um, yeah, that's yeah. very impactful. I never, because that was originally my answer to Siri. I mean, even though obviously people don't really get a choice in the matter, but I feel like if, if situations occurred and I, I was able to choose, I would not want to be blind or deaf, but um, right. <laughs> seeing seems so, seeing seems just like so well, essential. Me, but see, how you help people is by listening. I learned that yeah. as a doctor too. So you come in, you're ill, you have a horrible family, a horrible life, and you go on rambling and talking, and I don't know how to fix it. So I'm sitting there listening, and this really happened. Two hours, this young woman went on shrieking, complaining, and at the end of two hours, I, I might have said maybe 10 sentences in the whole time. She turned to me, she said, that was the greatest conversation I've ever had with anyone. And I busted out laughing. But what I realized was what Helen Keller had taught me. She was, in a sense, talking to herself. She heard herself for two hours, and then she knew what she needed to do, and I got credit for it. See? And so learn how to go, mm, then you can be a good therapist. See, somebody comes in and says, I have a horrible situation. Mm. And then they go on, and all you say is, mm. And I've helped a lot of people. And one more thing I've learned from those people. <clears throat> You're my CD. This is a depressed girl. I mean, I've had a lot of suicidal teenagers come to me for help. Um, and she's so depressed and talking to me. And then one day she came in, she said, you know, you're my CD. I said, what the hell are you talking about? I'm a CD. You're my chosen dad. And what I learned her, you can be a chosen mom, was to say to people, when I say people, you know, it doesn't even have to be a young person. I could say it to somebody older than I am because it's just about loving them. I'll be your CD. What? I'll be your chosen dad. If you need love, I'm ready to love you. And I can tell you, there are people who should be dead today and aren't because they got in touch with me. They reached out. I mean, one, I never forget the phone call. Do you have Jack Kevorkian's phone number? My father sexually abused me. I have a brain tumor. I want to be dead. And I called her up and I said, I love you. You're a child of God. And she's alive today. And sends me Father's Day cards before our five <laughs> biological children because she's so grateful <clears throat> for the love that she received. And there are others. I mean, it's hard not to give you quotes from people. Imagine your parents telling you to commit suicide. Oh In this God. family, um, the parents committed suicide. They were alcoholics. They told their children to commit suicide. And this one lady that I was taking care of named Susan, she said she did it wrong and the parents were furious that she didn't kill herself. And they all are dead. She survived. And I saw her. She developed a disease called scleroderma, which is an autoimmune disease, hard skin. And I thought it, it fit her life, like putting up a wall around herself. And I didn't know what to do for her. I mean, I'm a surgeon. She came to me because I was running the groups. But what I did for her was, before I knew about Helen Keller was what she needed. I used to sit there, listen to her scream and yell 
for an hour or two in the office because I didn't know what to answer her. So I just sat there listening to this horrible life. She said, one day, what really helped me was you saying, oh, F-U-C-K, your father, because I didn't know what to say. So I just got disgusted and said that. She said, that's when I began to get better. And this is a quote from her, like Helen Keller. When I let love into my prison, it changed every negative item in it, meaning the experiences in my life, and turned them into something meaningful. And she became my therapist. She was the most spiritual, beautiful person. And as a side effect, what do you do? You don't die when you're supposed to. She lived decades longer than doctors predicted. And see, that again is, is what the power of your life is. So many people start living, well, the biblical line, he who seeks to save his life will lose it. He who's willing to lose his life will save it. You grow up doing everything your parents wanted. You've lost your life. They don't allow you to do what makes you happy. They want what makes them happy. You have twin sisters with a gene for breast cancer. One of them is a sweet kid who's always pleasing her parents. The other's a little devil who's driving everybody crazy. Who do you think's more likely to get breast cancer? The sweet kid who's pleasing everybody else and not living her life. Okay. And I know lots of people who, when they were told they had two months to live, started living. See, they gave up their untrue life, lost that life, and found the new life. And then when you call up and say, how come I wasn't invited to the funeral a year after they're supposed to be dead, they answered the phone. Oh, it's so beautiful here, I forgot to die. Those are quotes from somebody <laughs> who decided where he wanted to go to die, and then he didn't die. And sometimes they just go out and get a dog, or you're a lawyer, you shut the office and you get a job playing a violin in an orchestra, because that's what your parents didn't want you to do. They wanted a lawyer for their son, not a violinist. And mm. well, they always... Oh, thank you so so much, Bernie. Um, I I did want to um interrupt a bit and just uh say thank you so so much for having um you on our program today. Obviously, you're you're so um educated and experienced in so many different areas. I feel like we could probably talk to you for hours. But again, I just wanted to thank you so much for sharing your experience. Um, and to our listeners, you can support our show and learn more about upcoming BTSYA events at BeTheStarYouAre.org. I'm Caitlin Darrow. And I'm Siri Panindra. Please be sure to visit Bernie's website to learn more about his wonderful achievements and stories at www.berniesiegelmd.com. Show your love for more segments like this one by donating to Be The Star You Are 501c3 Literacy Charity that brings you this program at BeTheStarYouAre.org. And you can visit www.bethestarur.org to find out more about Be The Star You Are. And audience, keep listening for more on Pride. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to Express Yourself on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. During this segment, Siri will be talking about a few tips to stay happy throughout the day and, again, just following our theme of pride. Hi, Caitlin. Hello, everyone. Today, I thought I would share some tips um, because our segment is all about pride. And as I mentioned before, Pride is sometimes associated with a negative connotation, but I feel it is important for us to thrive as a person. And psychologists over the years, they have conducted many, many experiments um, to find ways of improving an individual's pride and overall happiness. So I thought I would share some tips with you that I researched. So the very first one is journal writing. And I recently started journal writing a few months ago, and I felt more optimistic throughout the day. But um, I realized that it is scientifically proven that what you write in your journal actually matters. And a recent UC Davis uh, study was conducted with three groups of three groups of people um, who had to write in their journals, and each group had to write about a different topic. The first group had to focus on events that took place. The second group, they focused on their hardships and difficulties they faced. And the very last group, they wrote about what they were grateful for. And after 10 weeks of this experiment, it turned out that the last group who focused on gratitude in their journals felt more optimistic and they showcased pride in themselves. Not to mention that they were healthier with lesser physical pain, such as headaches. So not only does it you know, make you more happier. It'll also um, reduce different um, physical pains that you might experience. So the next one that I do every year at the beginning um, in January is creating a vision board. And it's been a tradition for my mom, my sister and I, and we collect images from magazines or we print out, you know, pictures from the internet. And it's basically how you want yourself to become and you're envisioning something on a vision board. So this past year, um, as I'm a senior right now, I talked about you know my colleges and I want to get into a place that is right for me and that'll 
improve me as a person. And, you know, all of these things that you can put on a vision board, they really do make a difference because I wake up in the morning and I look at the vision board and I'm one step closer to getting to my dream. And another something that you can do is forgiveness. And there are many quotes that I always get on my Instagram feed. And two of them include one by Jonathan Huey, who said that, Forgive others, not because they deserve forgiveness, but because you deserve peace. And another one said by Maya Angelou was, it's one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself to forgive and forgive everybody. So I personally feel that forgiveness is for your benefit, not necessarily for the other person. And you are not telling yourself that what they did was right or you know forgiven, but you're saying that you have let go of whatever they did, and you're not giving the privilege to the other person for kind of taking over your emotions and controlling your feelings. Um, another something is workout or exercise. And the University of Vermont, they proved that 20 minutes of exercise a day gives you a good mood for a staggering 12 hours. Just 20 minutes of, you know, running or jogging or doing yoga it does have a really good effect for 12 hours, which is half a day, which is kind of interesting and you should try it out. And I personally, I do yoga for about an hour each day. And a few years ago, I attended a three-day yoga retreat. And I would say that that was one of the most life-changing moments of my life as I felt more relaxed um, despite all of the final exams and everything going on. It was just such a you know, changing moment for me. And the last tip that I have for you guys is going to a forest. And as crazy as that sounds, it actually has really good effects. And there's a study conducted and it involved sending one group of students to the forest for two nights and another group to the city. And they found that the students who stayed in the forest, they had a decreased level of cortisol, which is a hormone chemical responsible for creating stress. Um, but if you're like me, don't worry. You don't need to stay in the forest for two nights. Even walking for an hour has the same effect as proven by other experiments. And um, throughout my radio experience, I've always been saying I walk around the neighborhood every now and then, and it definitely changes my mood. And nature walks and also forest bathing, they have positive effects, and it results in less activity in the subgenual prefrontal cortex, um, which is associated with negative feelings. And no matter you know, what you're going through, I feel you can start taking baby steps through journal writing or forgiving others. They'll definitely change your life. Wow. Well, thank you, Siri, so, so much for this. I feel so much more relaxed even just hearing about these methods. And some of them I do employ in my own life, such as journal writing and vision boarding. I try to make a new vision board actually every month. But um, there were also things that you mentioned that I know I can absolutely work more on, such as forgiveness. Uh, I love what you said about how forg forgiveness is really more for you than it is for the other person. And it does not 
dismiss their actions, but rather it really does bring you peace. So thank you for saying that. That was great um, to hear. And also, I was so surprised um, the University of Vermont study that proved that 20 minutes of exercises um, can give you a good mood for 12 hours. That's something that I'm going to have to employ more into my daily life. Um, So again, thank you so, so much for this segment. I thought that it was so informational. Audience, please support BTSYA and find information on our creative community, charity efforts, and outreach programs on our main site at bethestarur.org. You've been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. I'm Caitlin Darrow. And I'm Siri Panindra. As always, we give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment crew, especially our voice engineer, Josh. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world, and thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. Be proud of yourself and showcase pride. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars to shine. Between the lines If you would let yourself